and welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Hello. And normally this is a show where each week, Ashley and I, we talk about a new movie that's playing in theaters, but, uh, you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic. I think we're in month five of this nightmare. <laughs> it's been going for a while. We miss the movies. Yeah, yeah. Theaters, most theaters are still closed. There hasn't been any new product. I think theaters are ready to go, but studios keep postponing their releases and we keep kind of pushing the release date for everything further and further back so yeah i mean we'll see i mean supposedly it should open eventually but you know everything's kind of up for grabs right now well (laughs) as far as theaters well if theaters don't open up i mean they're gonna go bankrupt i mean i think some of them already have amc is on the verge (laughs) like every every time i see amc in the headlines it's like swapping debt I mean, it's, you know, a lot of these companies before the pandemic even hit, they were over leveraged with a lot of debt. I think yeah. like AMC had like hundreds of millions in debt before this thing even hit. And now, I mean, they're effectively not making any revenue. So, I mean, hopefully theaters can survive. They can hold out. It's uh, it's quite a time. <laughs> it's uh, this year, 2020. But uh, yeah, so these days we're staying at home and, you know, we're, we're talking about what we've been watching here at the house. So yeah, on this episode, we're going to be talking about Al Capone. Yeah. And one, one of these movies is is actually new. It's from this year, Capone, starring Tom Hardy. And uh, we're also going to talk about 1987's The Untouchables, directed by Brian De Palma. And uh, you hadn't seen The Untouchables before, had you? No, I hadn't seen either one of them. Well, yeah, I hadn't seen Capone either. I mean, Capone yeah. just came out a few months ago. It's always good to discover a new favorite. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say that The Untouchables would be a... Or or Capone would well, be a new favorite Capone of mine. Capone is a separate story. The Untouchables, I gotta say, it's a favorite of mine. It's I think it's a it's one of my top ten gangster movies, I would say. It, it's awesome. I mean, but you... I'll you, just say that right, right off the bat. you know, you've got obviously, oh, yeah. you know, Goodfellas, Scarface. Goodfellas is Goodfellas. in there. Goodfellas. Well, Scarface also directed by Brian De Palma. So really, Brian De Palma and Martin Scorsese are both kind of really responsible for a sort of modernizing that subgenre, the way we kind of look at it today, especially, I guess, Scorsese. I yeah, mean, he, he really modernized it. Yeah. But, I mean, Scarface, highly influential film. And that was from De Palma. So De Palma's good with these gangster movies. Yeah. I mean, De Palma's great in general. You know, his last big hit was Mission Impossible, uh, I would say. And that was, what, like, 96? The first Mission Impossible? De Palma directed the first Mission oh. Impossible. Yeah, he's great. Uh, yeah, he's yeah, he's done a lot of great movies. He's done some not so great movies, but he's had quite a career. And, um, you know, now he mostly works independent, you know, like once every five years, he'll bang out a movie. Yeah. Like made with foreign money. But yeah, let's talk about The Untouchables. This movie, it has an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I made about seventy-six million back in nineteen eighty-seven. That's good. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty solid. I mean, this is yeah. like an R-rated movie. It was yeah. released right in the summertime. Eighty-seven. I mean, that's that's yeah. a good. It was a hit back in eighty-seven. It won Sean Connery an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. So yeah, I mean, we'll just, just kind of set up the plot. You know, it takes place in the nineteen thirties. This is during the Prohibition. We're in Chicago. And you and I, you know, while we were watching it, we figured, like, the, this must be a soundstage. But apparently they filmed in Chicago. Oh, they did. And actual historical locations. Wow. Yeah, because some of these wide shots, we were like, okay, this has to be a set because well, the they, buildings. I mean, they must have gotten a whole bunch of old cars that come in. But yeah, and so this movie, it kind of, it centers on Elliot Ness, who is played by Kevin Costner. And he's an agent who's in charge of shutting down Al Capone's illegal activities. 
And he teams up with one of the few legit cops in the city, because a lot of the cops are on the take. Yep. And this cop, uh, his name is Jim Malone, and he's played by Sean Connery. And they recruit this sharpshooter, who's played by Andy Garcia, and this accountant, who's played by Charles Martin Smith. And they form this quartet. They kind of form the untouchables. Yeah. And that's because they can't be corrupted. And I mean, so that's and that's kind of the movie. It's really it's about them just kind of closing in on Capone and some various raids where, you know, they kind of shut down some trafficking going on. Well, yeah, some some alcohol trafficking I and mean, some pretty cool shootouts. Lots of action. Yeah. Lot, so lots cool. of action, lots of set pieces. And yeah, I mean, and there's one sequence that takes place uh, like on the, the bridge on the Canadian border. Yeah. Yeah. Where they intercept like one big shipment. And it's shot like an old school Western. I mean, we get some like just great like landscape shots. They're all on horseback. Yeah. And it unfolds like a big like rip roaring Western. And yeah, De Palma here, I mean, he's in just full command of what he's doing. Was this before Dance with Wolves or was this after? This is before. This is like three years before. I mean, this is Kevin oh, Costner wow. hit, is hitting his, his stride. Hit, this is his breakout. He's hitting his stride. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's like right in the beginning of like a real run of big hits right here. I mean, this this movie has a great cast. Robert De Niro as Al Capone, Sean Connery, a very young Andy Garcia. You have the director of Airbud in this, <laughs> Charles Martin Smith. He's the one that plays the... Um, he's the accountant. He's the accountant. He, yeah. Charles Martin Smith, he also directed Dolphin Tale and... Uh, I love Dolphin Tale. A Dog's Way Home. This is one where like the dog gets chained to like a dead homeless man. Do you remember that movie? Ashley Judd's in it. That this accountant directed that and Dolphin Tail and Airbutt. He's How all about the. How is he the... still working? <laughs> he has a niche for like animal based family movies. <laughs> he looks the least equipped for the shootouts yeah. that are ensuing. But I mean, he holds his own. I mean, he does. He does get killed off. I mean, he's like hung hung by his neck in an elevator shaft. This movie's pretty grisly. Oh yeah, so I, f- I forgot. Bad. You know, I'd seen this a couple times before, but it's been a while, and I forgot how violent this movie is. There's a lot of blood. You see a whole lot of brains, yeah, and this movie just splattered all over the place. And I'm I'm all for it. Sign me up. <laughs> this is, I mean, the director of Scarface. I mean, I, I like that. You know, the production style is kind of old school, yeah, kind of classic Hollywood, but the the level of violence is very modern, yeah. You know. I mean, you can't have like this much blood in like a 1930s gangster no. movie. <laughs> There's no way. No. But the style kind of harkens back to that, and I love it. And yeah, this style that De Palma is using—it's very theatrical. It's very over the top. Capone, you know, and this is all history too. But how they caught Capone was for tax evasion, and the accountant is the one that found it. Well, they built a case against him. A case him. around him, and he was put away for a long time. I guess that's where Capone, they figured Capone was the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. They could get him just on the numbers. Yep. You have, like, the cinematography, and there's a lot of, like, overhead angles, a lot of, like, stylish slow motion going on. You have the performances, which are a little over the top also. Yeah. You know, especially, like, De Niro. He's just a little over the top. Yeah, but he's De Niro. But in a fun way. Yeah. He's, I think he gained, like, 30 pounds for this. Yeah. I mean, he's he's in it. I mean, he's fully in it, and he's good. Have I ever seen a movie with Sean Connery in it before? I think what that was my. We were just talking about The Rock. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that one. Okay. Okay. That, that was. I kept asking you, like, yeah. have you seen The Rock? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wasn't he Devil? He was the first. Yeah, yeah. he's the first James Bond. His James yeah. Bonds are great. He passed, didn't he? 
He's still alive. He's just retired. Oh. <laughs> his last movie was The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And after that, he's like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, done. <laughs> I'm too old for this shit. Like, I'm going to enjoy retirement. Pass uh, the torch. Uh, Sean Connery and Gene Hackman are two kind of legendary actors who are still alive. Yeah. They're just retired. And I mean, if they ever decide to come back for like, you know, one last ride... Oh, man. It would be glorious. <laughs> I would love to see Gene Hackman or Sean Connery. I mean, let's see them team up. You know what? Pull them both out of retirement hey, and have them team up. Make them do like a red three. With Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah. I mean, red three. Oh, my goodness. Oh, who else can we like bring back from the dead? Yeah. <laughs> let's get Wilf- Wilford Brimley. So, yeah, it's... um. Well, it it kind of has... it, it climaxes with this this shootout in a train station. You remember this scene where like he's helping the lady with the baby carriage. There's yeah. so much suspense yeah. in this scene. I mean, he really drags it out, and it just it kind of reminds me of like that scene in the first Mission Impossible where Tom Cruise is dangling overhead. Yeah, right. And like we get like close ups of like sweat, sweat. like coming yeah. down. Like De Palma's really good with detail do, well doing these set pieces and milking the suspense yeah. for all it's worth like just dragging out that suspense yeah i mean that shootout is incredible like they have to keep this carriage safe like all these bullets are flying i mean it's all in slow motion it's yeah. glorious it and the way fun. it ends with like uh, andy garcia like sliding across the floor catches the baby <laughs> yeah it's and, and then uh, flings the gun and kevin costner and then kevin costner oh, yeah, he boom, boom. grabs it oh yeah, yeah. grabs it midair it's <laughs> It's operatic, really. I mean, with the slow motion and the music. And we haven't really talked about, like, the score. This is a crazy score for, like, the great Ennio Morricone who just passed away. This score, I mean, we're getting a lot of harmonicas here. <laughs> this yeah. is an unconventional score. but It, it is, is an unconventional score. But it is big. It is over the top. And it drives a lot of the energy yeah. in this movie. It's a perfect complement to what De Palma's doing. And I think Kevin Costner did a great job. All the actors are great I mean, here. Spoiler alert, Sean Connery gets killed. Well, yeah, we got to talk about that scene. We get this like, incredible... Like, crap. I'm like, I didn't want that to happen. No, you don't... You he's don't... like the good guy. He's like 60 years old and he's still a beat cop because he didn't want to take bribes. Well, he's a tough guy and he's played by Sean Connery and you don't think that like these guys are going to get the jump on him. Isn't that just like a wop? Brings a knife to a gunfight. But that's something I like about this movie. Like, no one is really safe. I mean, we see a little girl get bombed. I know. I one of the early the very scenes. Beginning. Like, wow. <laughs> and, I, and I turn to you. I'm like, oh, we're going there. Yeah. The movie <laughs> grabs your attention pretty early on with that. I remember first time I saw him, like, all right, I want to see what happens <laughs> next. Like, Holy what? cow. I love the assassin, the mob's assassin. I love him. Frank Nitti. Yeah. Yeah, played by uh, Billy Drago. Yeah, I love him. You He's know, tossed be- off a roof. Yeah. <laughs> he has a line like, your partner, he was like, screamed like a stuck Irish pig. He died like a pig. What did you say? I said that your friend died screaming like a stuck Irish pig. Now you think about that when I beat the rat. Yeah. And then he gets tossed. Right off the roof. Well, he first like saves him. Kevin Costner saves him. Yeah, he's going to spare him. Falling. He's going to spare him. Then, then he has to run his mouth. Yeah. And, and then, then he goes, Ooh. Yeah. Kapush. <laughs> just keep your mouth shut. Right. Maybe. Just try doing that. <laughs> I would just talk about the, uh, the scene with Sean Connery's death. It's a point of view shot. All, yeah. All point of view. And this is, again, something De Palma has done before. He's clearly interested in like voyeurism and putting you in the point of view of a voyeur 
And that's what he does here. And we're the point of view of the thief. And it's all like this unbroken steady cam shot where we like start outside. We break in through the window. We're creeping around in different rooms. You know, we see Sean Connery in the distance. We're like hiding out of sight. Yeah. All the camera's point of view. And it's it's just an incredible bit of filmmaking. Just yeah. very fluid point of view filmmaking. Normally, I don't like that kind of shot because it gets well, me a little nauseous. We well, don't want it overused. Yeah, certainly. but if it's tasteful, then it works. Well, here it adds to the suspense. Yeah. So um, what uh, what grade would you give this? I would give it an A. There you go. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like it's a new favorite. You can admit it. But that's not the kind of movie that I'll watch again. What what is the kind of movie you would watch again? Like, like, a, like a fantasy? Like No, I'm, you know, I'll stick with gangster movies. Like, I love The Bronx Tale. Sure. This is oh, this is so much better than a Bronx Tale. I like the 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 Ray. Um, what's what's the actor's name? Ray. <laughs> Who's Ray? He he was snorting a bunch of cocaine up his <laughs> nose in the movie, and then the cops catch on to him. He's in the mob. <laughs> <laughs> what? Ray? It's not Ray Fine. Um, Ray. <laughs> Ray Liotta. Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Yeah, you could just yeah. say Goodfellas. That guy Ray blowed a bunch of <laughs> Goodfellas. Yeah, I would put Goodfellas at the top. I mean, you got like, you know, the first two Godfathers also, Casino. I wish studios were in the business of making these, like a star-studded, big-budget crime movie. And uh, I mean, the last one that I can honestly think of is The Departed, right? I mean, there we had like an all-star cast. Scorsese's directing. We've got a big budget. I just, I can't think of That's anything. DiCaprio, right? Yeah, you, you got DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg. Is it Mark Wahlberg Ooh. got like an Oscar nomination for that movie? It's, it, studios just aren't, aren't in the business of making like big budget mob movies. The Irishman was the last one. Well, yeah, that was for Netflix. I mean, I guess that technically counts, but I mean, it's... Scorsese, there's got to be other filmmakers beyond Scorsese who Thank can get you. like a like a big budget crime movie off the ground, original big budget crime movie off the ground. But um, is this is this a good date movie? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Maybe. Summer of '87 was a good summer. You got, I mean, yeah. you had this, you had Predator, you had RoboCop, you had some flicks. So yeah, that's the Untouchables. Why don't we take a quick break? Yep. When we come back, we'll talk about Capone, starring Tom Hardy. All right, we're back, and we're going to talk about Capone, which came out uh, just a few months ago on Video On Demand, and it's directed by Josh Trank, and it stars Tom Hardy as Al Capone. This movie has a 41% on Rotten Tomatoes, which um, seems high. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems, that's high. That seems generous, honestly. Yeah. That's almost like a split. How? Like a split leaning negative. Let's talk about Josh Trank just for a minute. This was... Written, directed, and edited by Josh Trank. Those are his credits on here. I mean, Josh, he was he was kind of tipped to be the next big thing after his debut, which was Chronicle. Yeah. That was the, the found footage superhero movie. Oh, yeah. It oh, starred, yeah. That was the first time I had seen Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Dane DeHaan is yeah. in there. Um, just like kind of young talent. It kind of broke through in that movie, including Josh Trank and the writer of that film, Max Landis. Everyone yeah. involved in that movie was kind of red hot yeah. after it opened and did really well. And so Josh Trank's follow-up to that was 2015's Fantastic Four reboot, which starred Miles Teller. Mm. Yeah. 
that was a, that was a troubled production. Yeah, and a lot of the trouble, if you believe the gossip, uh, a lot of the trouble stemmed from him and just his behavior on set and just the baggage he was bringing on set and just uh, some unprofessional behavior. Those were the rumors, and uh, I mean, it's uh, before it even came out, just kind of like the toxic buzz off of it and like the lead up to its release. It lost him a Star Wars directing gig. He was supposed to do a Star Wars spinoff, I think a yeah. Boba Fett movie. You know, he lost that. I mean, they blamed it on something else. Yeah. <laughs> but it was due to that. It's due to these reports coming off the set. Like, he was not manageable by the studio. And um, the studio had to come in and reshoot it. And on that movie's release, <laughs> when it was getting creamed by critics, he, he went on Twitter and he kind of disavowed the film. And he's like, a year ago... I had a great version of this that would have gotten great reviews, <laughs> but you'll never see it now. That's, you know, that's questionable on a couple levels, <laughs> but clearly there was the finished result was compromised, right? The studio got in there, they yeah. did reshoots, you know, he lost control of it. You know, it's a case of like a filmmaker wanting to do like a darker, grittier version in the studio being like, we, we just need a movie that we can market in the summertime. <laughs> like, this is Fantastic Four. <laughs> like, this isn't time for your Cronenberg homage. I mean, that like nuclear fumes off of that bomb, it kind of made him uh, like untouchable for a while. Yeah. And that's why this movie's existence, Capone, is kind of surprising. Because after Fantastic Four, like... Not just the movie's financial failure, but his reported behavior surrounding it. You just, you figure this guy, he's going to be in director's jail for a while. Yeah. I mean, director's jail is real. <laughs> like, you wipe out hard enough, you're in career jail. So, um, I guess I have to give props. For him to be able to get back into... Well, yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure he had to do some hustling to get the money and yeah. to get Tom Hardy involved. That's kind of the big question mark, is how did Tom Hardy get involved (laughs) with this movie? Because I can see, like, from a financial backing standpoint, you've got Tom Hardy. He's playing Al Capone. You can market that. There's an audience for that. So I can see how that combo would draw financiers. But what drew Tom Hardy to this script? I have no idea, because it did not (laughs) do Tom Hardy any favors. Tom Hardy, he's a good actor. I gotta be honest. I'm, I mean, I'm you... questioning everything after this performance because <laughs> you were like, "Yeah, he's so great after Mad Max or well, whatever." He's been in so many great movies. Is he? But has he been like? Well, I mean, Venom. Right. Was, was Venom's good. a weird case where yeah. like Venom's kind of a shitty movie, but he's he's doing a really interesting take on it. Weird performance yeah. that's very watchable. But I wouldn't say he's given a, a good performance in that movie. <laughs> I guess Lawless I liked with him and Shia LaBeouf. He's kind of doing like a mumbly yeah. m- method thing. I guess that's my thing. Like, is he just like like a method overactor who's lucked out to be in some great movies? Or is he actually a good actor? Well, yeah. Because he's been in great movies. Yeah. Let's talk about Mad Max. He's kind of the worst thing about that. He's okay in that movie, but he makes weird choices. I think he gets away with a lot on set. I say all this because I don't think a good actor would have signed on to a movie like this. No, this this script, it, it, oh God, the movie <laughs> was, oh my God. Let's, yeah, I mean, let's, I guess, try and set it up. I mean, this movie, it centers on Al Capone in the last year of his life. Yeah. He has syphilis, he has... Well, he's got neurosyphilis, which is a, you know, <laughs> obviously it comes from syphilis, but it's like really advanced where he's losing all his functions 
It's attacking his nervous he, system. He pisses going his into pants in the opening scene. He yeah. pisses his pants in the opening scene. That's true. <laughs> and I, I had to like retake them. Like, did he really just do that? But then there's a scene where he actually like shits the bed. So and you he has see explosive diarrhea. diarrhea. And yeah. then there's another scene where he shits his pants during an interview. Yeah. Do you remember that? He just starts sharding yep. at the table. Oh, yeah. When they're interviewing him. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, oh yeah. So yeah, I like a good actor would would know like there's there's not a character here for me to play in this script the way it's written and so I'm not going to sign on to this because I have other options. I'm Tom Hardy. I have other options, presumably. Yeah. I don't I don't know what roped him into this. It seems like a low budget movie, so I can't imagine he got like a big payday. He probably ate up most of the budget for his salary. It- but well and his prosthetics sure <laughs> and his carrots like this movie his was diapers. i mean everybody like his, his gang members and the police are all trying to figure out where he hid his 10 million dollars because he hid it somewhere and he doesn't remember where he hid it what plot there is is that he believes he's stowed away 10 million somewhere and he's just forgotten where it is because he's so like diseased in the head yeah <laughs> And then he has hallucinations, and you know it, it was just so weird. How this is clearly it, like pulls you back into like, is he sleeping? Is he what was he doing? Like, I don't get it. Like, what's going on? I think the take here is that we're gonna do kind of a surreal psychological profile on a historical figure. Yeah, we're gonna make this kind of trippy psychological drama that centers on you know a figure that most people know from history, and. Josh Trank clearly seems to be inspired by David Lynch, you know, who made Twin Peaks. And, uh, I mean, he's got Kyle MacLachlan in here. So, I mean, clearly he's a fan. And David Lynch has a firm command on what he is doing and what he's trying to communicate. Josh Trank, I I don't know what he's trying to say here other than, like, wow, Capone really shit his pants in the last year. Like He sure shit his pants a whole lot. It it was, I think it was, it's obviously taking Capone. Everyone knows uh, Al Al Capone. Capone Yeah, even if you don't know the details of his life, you know the name. This movie kind of diminishes his character. There's a movie to be made about a man who's diseased in the head, who is losing his sanity, who is losing his grip on reality, and is trying desperately to like fight it and get it back there's a movie there yeah it's been made (laughs) you can do it Uh, this movie it just it's really surface level and the surface is gross as hell (laughs) yeah it it is not pretty i mean i can't believe tom hardy decided like that he was gonna do this he's stomping around in a bathrobe and a diaper with a a carrot in his mouth diaper with a carrot in his mouth yeah i i hope i hope they had fun making this I want to believe like this was intended as some like weird comedy, like a weird dark comedy, because Tom Hardy's performance, as soon as he started speaking, I was laughing hysterically. Yeah. His voice. I mean, he's doing kind of like a like a whispery hoarse growl. I mean, I can't understand him. I didn't understand the dialogue. He was trying to say something. He's kind of just like growling, like a raspy, like a raspy growl. And then at a certain point in the movie, he just stops trying to talk and he just starts drooling and shitting his pants. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. I just don't even. 
I, I this movie, it's um, I, I found it really gross and depressing. Like, I, I like depressing. Yeah. Afterwards. Well, like, yeah, I think I turned to you and I said, I don't. This isn't making like <laughs> making getting me feel older. Bad. <laughs> movies have been made. Good movies about the the horrors of aging, <laughs> getting older, like having your body deteriorate. Movies have been made about that, and I think that's what this movie is about. It's just it's it's awful to watch <laughs> it's just awful to watch because it's we don't really care about al capone in this movie no we don't care about we don't Not care about anyone e- even uh his wife's character i mean she's just, by linda cardinelli yeah i mean she's just not good in this everyone's she's, terrible she's not good in it but like i mean she just lets him get away with everything but she knows what he is i mean I don't understand. Her it. performance doesn't really make sense. Her, no. like the way it's written, her character does not make any sense. I just uh, this movie depressed me. Yeah, it, it really depressed me, and it, it is it's gross. I mean, we talked about all the pants, and shitting. they never find the ten million dollars. Well, like, I, they never. I, I don't think I don't think he ever really had it. I think he's just crazy. Well, some people say that it was in that ugly statue that he kept telling people not to touch and take it away. Kind of, we get in- a lot of shots of statues in yeah. this movie. I that reminds me, like, the way this movie is edited. Josh Trank is the editor. I guess he, like, he asserted himself as editor after, like, Fox oh, kicked him out of the editing room. He wanted final cut, he like, wanted final like, approval. Bitch, I'm, I'm editing shebang. this, all right? This is how did he get that, like, after not such a great track record? How did he get money for this? No, I'm just saying, how did he get final? Well, I don't know if he like, got. Final, Final cut. cut. I, mean, well, I mean, he he wrote the script, so I mean, this really is his project. If you're giving money towards it, you're you're buying into a Josh Trank movie. So, like, which is not not sound business advice, apparently. I mean, no. I don't understand what would compel someone to do this to make a movie like this. God, I don't know. Like, what what is the purpose of this movie? Like, what is the driving creative spark? Like, let's get a respected actor and just degrade him degraded him was that the motivation let's degrade a respected actor that's what it feels like that's all this movie accomplished i mean you could have done this with such with a little bit more class than bodily fluids you know uncontrollable bodily fluids coming out of your system (laughs) i mean there's a way to do it without being gross he i mean literally has explosive diarrhea under the sheets and she pulls the sheets off and it's just caked and shit oh i mean that's what the fuck we see why why (laughs) why did we why josh like what is your deal you know maybe this movie is it's a reflection of the fantastic four process he had such a nightmarish time on fantastic four he had to get that out of his system just like raging against like the beating he took from critics yeah and like the ridicule like all that negativity maybe just got funneled into this like black hole of a movie (laughs) i mean and here's capone yeah but that's i mean clearly josh trank was in a dark place post fantastic four and then to make this this isn't the product of a of a healthy mind no (laughs) i would i would give this movie an f yeah this is a a rare f yeah i mean i save f's for you know the worst of the worst like the last jedi or powder those are my f's but powder was okay no it's directed by a child molester they're all child molesters in hollywood okay we should wrap this up probably 
Uh, yeah, this is an F. It's not a good date movie. No. I mean, after the credits, I was apologizing for even showing it to you. Yeah. I felt and, embarrassed. And I was looking at my watch every 15 minutes. I How heard- much longer <laughs> is this? It I was heard- not good. I mean, I heard it was bad. And so I kind of warned you. I'm like, you this might eat- this might be bad. I was not prepared for the amount of pants shitting in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was a surprise. I, I didn't think we'd get so many sweaty close-ups of like Tom Hardy oh. with bo- like boils on his face. Oh, my God. Like, what is happening? <laughs> like, what? Oh. Not a recommendation on this one. Tom Hardy, he's kind of given variations on the same performance in a lot of his movies. Like, just kind of mumbly, kind of growly, inarticulate. And um, usually, like, his face is covered with something. (laughs) He has a mask on. I mean... He didn't play Bane, did he? He did play Bane. (laughs) Okay. Would you say that's a good performance? He's doing the weird voice in that as well. He Like, I don't know what's with the voices. (laughs) So, Bane, Venom, (laughs) Mad Max. He does weird voices. Yeah, that I mean that that's the movie. That's right? the movie. Yeah, don't see it. Yeah. And um and yeah, that's our show. So you can find more episodes at anchor.fm slash movie date night, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at DM Movie Podcast, and you can also email us at date night movie podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Ashley. Thanks for listening. See ya.